G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Most of us are aware that the goal of sharing the gospel with a friend is to win a new follower of Jesus. Now that's pretty straightforward. Jesus is the one who gave to the church the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And uh, to just make short of that, of course, making disciples of all nations. One of the big challenges is that the work of winning souls and making disciples continues from one generation to the next. But what happens when crucial elements are missing and a new generation misses the baton change? Well, this is the focus of our conversation over this next hour, and I invite you to be a part of it. We'll open our talkback lines shortly. You can actually leave a comment on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Our special guest over this next hour is Callum Thomas. He is a disciple maker. In fact, he's called a disciple multiplier amongst young Australians. He works with Operation Mobilisation on Teen Street and is a national representative for Cape and Ray Australia. He's part of the international organisation called Torchbearers. And if that's not enough, another cap he wears. He's also a youth pastor on the Sunshine Coast. The church he's part of is called History Maker. It's a full gospel church of the evangelical-style tradition. And Callum is joining us. Callum Thomas, a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Callum, if we get a conversation like this underway, uh, some people will be saying, oh, this is a run-of-the-mill type conversation, uh, go and win a soul. And in some sense, it is. Uh, in some sense, we want to go a little bit deeper than that because there is a scripture in the Old Testament book of Judges, chapter 2 and verse 10, in which we read, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. It's not a new thing that a generation could be missed uh, with the gospel. I'm wondering whether you've got some thoughts on that scripture and just how significant that is when we talk about reaching out to young people. Yeah, no, that's a great, it's a great intro. When we talk about a generation who is being raised and has the potential to grow up without knowing either the Lord or what he has done for Israel, there's there's often one of two ways they could react. One, they could get on their knees and, and it's a fresh uh, canvas, if you could say it, put it that way, or as is described of the Israelites in, in the book of Judges, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And that's a dangerous and that's a scary concept. Um, and uh, we're beginning to see a trend that way where the individual is king, the individual is supreme, and uh, you, you all you need to do is what makes you happy, what makes you fulfilled, or you create your own purpose, you create your own identity. Um, and uh, and those things don't sound that bad in, in and of themselves, but in the context of a generation that is uh, distant from the truth of the gospel, it can it can be quite frightening. 
So we've got a generation that you might observe is emerging in Australia now where everyone's saying, well, it's what I feel like doing is right. Uh, if I just do that and I'm not hurting anybody, so to speak, uh, then I'll just pursue that. And even with the idea that, you know, there are various minority groups that get such attention in the main, mainstream media, mm. uh, that's also perhaps even a symptom of this idea of doing what's right in your own eyes. Is that the way you see it? Yeah, absolutely. There's uh there's a misunderstanding of the impact or the um, the roll-on effect of a distance from God. Uh, uh, the, I mean, the presupposition um, argument as far as apologetics is that we've built our culture around uh, this this faith structure, faith structure, and and everything that we're standing on is inherited from this Christian belief system. And now we're walking away from the belief system, but trying to maintain these morals that we adopted or we inherited from that. And it's really interesting. Now, I think that's helpful. I don't think um, we necessarily have to run with that as the only means to communicate the gospel. But there is a uh, there is a danger more than just you do your thing, I'll do my thing, and as long as we don't interrupt each other or force anything down each other's throat, we'll all be happy. Now, teenagers, we want we want young people to um, we want to share a gospel to change uh, the trajectory from the hell that they're going to, but also the hell that they're going through. So we understand that the gospel is actually for here and now as well. Um, it's not just a get out of hell free card. It's actually, this is for us. This is for the, this, this thing called for the church is, is, uh, is our identity, is, is this body and is in, in freedom now. Well, I love hearing you raise something really important here. Uh, this idea of the hell that you're going through. Uh, you know, people have been absorbed by this whole thing that Israel Folau uh, put mm. up this uh, post about people going to hell. And that's sort of like, uh, that's something that may be happening in the afterlife, you know, sometime into the future. But when you talk about the hell people go through, when you move away from these foundations that we are given by God uh, for our good, uh, and so that people one and another can actually acknowledge him at the center and therefore live a life at peace and have harmony and uh, have a lack of the violence that, that comes this other way. This idea of the hell that people are going through, a hopelessness, this mm. is something that, in fact, if you ignore the things of God, this is what a generation faces if they don't know the things of God. Right, absolutely. The fruit of the Spirit, we know these fruits of the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc. These are fruits not of effort. These are not a fruits of psychology. These are not a fruits of behavioral science. These are the fruits of the Spirit. So if we want a generation to be loving, to be patient, to be gentle, we have to go to the Spirit for that. And we think that we can uh, educate around God as though God is tricked that easily. But the fruit of the Spirit is expressed by His life being reproduced in and through us. It can only be Christ that brings about a Christ-likeness for the individual, and then as it overflows from the individual to the community around them, and those those characteristics or those values are, are upheld, are celebrated, and lived out, and that's what people want. We've got this uh, the idea that we can have the kingdom of God without the king, that we can have the benefits of of God, we can have the benefits of heaven without ever having to bow our knee to the king, and that doesn't work. Um, you, it, God is not uh, fooled that easily that we can institute um, values that can only be 
uh, expressed and and freely uh, lived out when the king is on the throne. I love what you say about the fruit of the Spirit. And sometimes we think of that more as an individual thing. And, you know, it's this love, joy and peace and patience that comes out in me as an individual. It has to come out in some sense in the individual life. But then when you get that happening, if it's me and then it's you and then Mm. it's everybody else in our circle of friends who also captures those fruits of the Spirit, then you've got this corporate sense. Mm. And, uh, And a corporate sense of the fruit of the Spirit is what actually brings Uh, this goodness to a society. But here you have a generation that might not have the fruits of the Spirit. In fact, I don't know whether you ever think about these sorts of things, but if you don't have the fruit of the Spirit, you've got the fruit of the flesh. And those are named and listed in Galatians as well as what the fruit of the flesh are. And that is what is likely to mark a generation. That's why you can say, uh, this is a generation basically going through hell today. Yeah, absolutely. For the individual, but also we're seeing, okay, you can keep God for yourself. It's not for me. This whole God thing's not for me. And they're opening themselves up to the fruit of the flesh and to live purely in the fruit of the flesh. They think they're going to get the fruit of the Spirit by osmosis, by good people around them, but it doesn't work like that. It's not from the outside in, it's from the inside out. And that's the amazing message of the gospel, is that it's an inward transformation that works its way through the way that we live and to bless and to overflow to the lives of those around us. Okay, so when you've got a youth group in your local church, Uh, When you've got a church community, uh, the body of Christ, uh, you've actually got, as we talk about this idea of the darkness getting darker and the light getting brighter, where the fruit of the Spirit is being uh, brought out into individuals and into a community, uh, there's a real um, contrast here Mm. to what's happening in a broader community. This is I guess this is a good thing. Mm. <laughs> well, I, I heard somebody, uh, a guy, an evangelist named Johan, he says, the, the darker the world gets, the brighter the gospel gets. And there is a contrast. And so I don't want the world to get dark, um, but so, but there is a an, the idea that uh, the, 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 the blank canvas, the, the darkness of this cave that we might find ourselves. I went caving in New Zealand a little while ago, and, uh, and we went down deep, deep underneath this waterfall. We had to go through keyholes. It was quite the experience. And we got to a place where the leader says, everyone turn your, turn your headlamp off, and we're going to go through this extra keyhole. And so we all did that, and we go, we scramble through, and it is pitch black. And I've, I'm sure I'm not the only one to have experienced something like this. But the darkness, it was it was more than just a dark night or, or something like that. It was the complete absence of light. There was no light that was able to make its way into that into that cavern. We didn't know what was around us, so we we're huddling here. Um, and uh, and then the the perfect illustration is he flicks on a lighter, and that little light shone and filled the room. It turns out we're in quite a large cavern. I, I didn't realize that. We thought we were cramped together. Um, but uh, but he pointed out two things that were really interesting to me. One. The beauty of the stalactites and the stalagmites, um, and uh, and the other uh, the uh, structural features in that cave were beautiful, and so we missed that. But we also he he made the point to um, to note that there is a crack just to the side of us, and he he knew the cave well enough to not let anybody scramble over there. But he said, if you were to try to get out of here without light, you many of you would fall in that crack, break a leg, and would never get out. The light does two things, and it, um, many more on top of this, but two things to highlight. It shows us a beauty 
of the world around us. It also shows us the dangers of the world around us. So the darkness is not something that we can just pass off and be like, well, it's just not for me and I'll be a Christian for me. We want others to experience that light, to know, to experience the beauty, but also to be aware of the dangers of living a life without a God. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to contribute to our conversation, talking about what happens if a generation is missed by the gospel. Uh, what happens to young people who decide to turn their back on Christian faith? Callum Thomas is our guest. He's a disciple multiplier. In fact, he leads Teen Street in Australia. And uh, interestingly, Teen Street has this connection underneath torchbearers. And the connection that you have, uh, Callum, is that it was your grandfather, Major Ian Thomas, who founded Torchbearers. You'll have to take us on a little history journey here, but just in a nutshell, uh, your grandfather, Major Ian Thomas, Torchbearers founded, now operates around the world. Yeah, that's right. So Major Ian Thomas, uh, when he was younger, he discovered uh, the reality of the indwelling Lord Jesus Christ, that Christianity um, isn't something about, isn't a message or, or a, a lifestyle that we have to strive to achieve, but it is Christ who reproduces his life in and through us. Now, after the war, uh, he and his wife, uh, my grandmother, bought uh, what we now know as Cape Mary Hall um, on his war savings and through that um, invited lots of lots of young German people to come to England to these Christian youth camps. And through those youth camps, they came to came to Christ in their hundreds and they would go back to Germany and they gave themselves the nicknames Torchbearers or Fackelträger, where they would be bearers of this light in a really, really dark environment. And so the ministry grew and they wanted more than just a one-off event. So they, they hosted these small, uh, short-term Bible schools. And through that, uh, the ministry grew across uh, Europe and, and North America and Asia. And so we've got a center here in Australia as well. And you running these youth camps. This is part of the DNA, I guess, of what Torchbearers does and what Teen Street is doing today. And as you say, a non-denominational opportunity uh, for people to have their teenagers uh, go along to a youth camp in an evangelical environment and to be discipled because that's your prime focus is actually disciple making. And you do that intensively in a five-day youth camp. We'll talk about that a little bit more shortly. But while we're talking about youth camps, because a lot of us might have been to youth camps in our younger years, and there were people who were leaders, and leaders are important in a youth camp setting. Youth uh, Leaders are important in every setting, whether it's the local church, whether it's a big church, has a big youth program or a small church, they're struggling to keep their uh, their youth leader types in play because there are some teens and children who are really needing some role models here. Let's talk about leaders for a few moments because if we're talking about a generation that could be lost with this passing on the baton of the gospel, uh, leadership is a big thing here, isn't it? Absolutely. Within Teen Street alone, uh, the coach, uh, being a coach, which is being a small group leader, um, is effectively the engine room of the event. It all comes down to the quality and to the uh, intentionality of our leaders. Um, what happens on stage is great. Um, the teaching and the ministry and the, and the worship and the big games and fun and activity, the hype, that's all great. 
but it all comes down to that one-on-one interaction. Uh, in the Gospel of Luke, um, it says that a student who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Now, I used that um, when I was on staff at Cape and Ray, and I asked the staff, you tell me if that's a good thing. The students are going to be like you. And some of them look sheepish, and some of them look confident. I wasn't quite sure where to go with that. But the reality is that when we live our lives shoulder to shoulder, rubbing uh, in contact with these young people, they will inherit things. And, and, and there's a, a, a handing over of lifestyle, of belief, and all these sorts of things. And so leadership is really, really important. And leadership should not happen from a distance. We're taking calls. You might like to contribute to our conversation. 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Wayne in Victoria. Hello, Wayne. Welcome along. Good morning. Wayne, what are your thoughts for our conversation today? Yeah, great concern, great topic, um, great concern for the possibility of losing a generation. That should be concern for every Christian believer. I believe as parents we are concerned about our kids, we are concerned about our children. Um, but this is a reality of, of the times in which we are living. Um, I think... Uh, one of the issues that we are dealing with is the aspect of affluence. The, the, the issue around affluence is that the more I have, the more I desire, the more I achieve, the more I want, the less of God I include in my life. And so I find that with affluence, there comes a certain measure of arrogance and a... Um, a non-compliance to what the Christian principles are all about. You mentioned the fact that um, we could uh, influence this generation by great leadership, and I think that is lacking tremendously in the country. So, yep, the other thing I want to deal with is maybe um, uh, in, 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 in a secular society, intellect is looked upon as a god, and they have basically concentrated on IQ and have left the God Q out of their lives. And this is why, from a spiritual sense, from a morality, um, there seems to be um, a major uh, setback in terms of um, losing generation. Wayne, great wisdom and uh, I know you made a number of points there. I didn't want to hold you back on those because uh, just great insights. Callum, as you hear Wayne reflecting on those things, uh, let's just pick up on uh, on some of these issues. Uh, affluence is a problem. Uh, in fact, you know, we like to think that as Christian believers, uh, you know, God is going to look after us. He's going to bless us. We're going to become wealthy and uh, those sorts of things. But there's there's something there to be cautious about because wealth can be a biggest, the biggest distraction from faith too. Let's pick up on that one first as, uh, as what Wayne was saying. What were your thoughts? Absolutely. When it comes to affluence, I, I could rephrase it of a, a lack of need. Um, and we think that need is only uh, a financial thing or a stability thing. But when we look at, um, at humans and, and, and us as individuals, we have more than just financial needs. We have emotional needs. We have social needs. We have spiritual needs. And the, and the list goes on. And so when it comes to um, meeting people's needs, you're absolutely right, Wayne. When it comes to um, their financial needs, 
God, we don't need God for finances. I do. <laughs> when we, when you live in a, in a, in a position of faith, then those of us who have, uh, been in that position, uh, know that God does provide finances. Um, but we, we shouldn't limit it just to monetary needs, but social needs, emotional needs, uh, spiritual needs. And there is a lot of needs. So there's affluence in some areas, but there is a lack big time. Like you said, that God cue. I imagine that uh, when we're talking about finances, this is where discipleship starts in the home. If parents are, uh, you know, governed by their own affluence, if that becomes the biggest distraction for parents' faith, it's going to be the biggest distraction for their children. That's where discipleship starts in the home. But when you get kids on a youth camp, do you tackle issues when you deal with finance that, uh, you know, the things that you have uh, God-given, and you ought to be a steward of those. How do you deal with that on a camp? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we we address as many of these things as possible, and and a camp is a great place to do that because it gets people away uh, from their, their from their context. Uh, so in those small groups, yes, some is mentioned as I said from stage, but the best way to tackle those sorts of issues is is face to face, is in the small group, is in discussion. Um, a lot of uh, young people are being trained to um, uh, not be able to give their thoughts to an adult or to those older than them. Those older than teenagers tell them rather than ask them, what do you think about this? And so when you have a leader who is willing to sit and say, what, hey, um, James, if you're 13 years old, what do you think about this? It, it, it takes them off guard. It takes them a little while to feel like they, they're allowed to respond. They're allowed to have their own opinions. But you can do that and you can start to have those formative conversations. And uh, Wayne also mentioned some issues around leaders, and that was important too. And no doubt we'll be talking more about some, you know, what it is. Leaders are necessary in this whole uh, getting this baton passed on to a new generation. Wayne also brought out a really important point. Sometimes we're focusing on our IQ as being the most important thing. And there's a new terminology that uh, some of us might not have heard much about before, a God cue, a God quotient. Uh, what about this idea? Have you got any thoughts about that? Yeah, it's I love I love that summary God cue because uh, society is waking up to EQ and social, SQ social intelligence and emotional intelligence. Being able to walk into a room and and read the vibe in the room that's a that's a valuable uh, uh, asset to have. But a God cue uh, and an understanding of who God is and being able to know God that, that I love that summary. When it comes to knowing God. We're not talking about knowing necessarily just about him, as though we might know something about a celebrity or know uh, about a person, but to know this person ourselves. Um, there is a there's there can be a information overload when it comes to that God cue, but a uh, a relational deficit um, that we know a lot about God, we know what God is like. We don't know him for ourselves. And I've uh, still got Wayne on the line. Wayne, I can't help but say, uh, what's your background here? Because you've got some great insights when it comes to young people here. What are you connected with some youth ministry? Um, I'm in the church. Um, I um, am just a immigrant from another country and um, just trying to lead my sons to the Lord. And it is a daily battle. It's a constant prayer. It's a 
Um, it's a miracle. I pray for their transformation. Well, I Wayne, pray for... I've, I've got to cut in. We're about to go to news. But honour to you as a father. And as you're raising your sons, you've got a great focus there. And, uh, you know, my prayer is for God's richest blessing on you as a parent as you implement some of those principles. We're talking about the challenge of winning a new generation to Christ. Of course, most of us are aware that the goal of sharing the gospel with a friend is to win a new follower of Jesus. Jesus, the one who gave us the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples of all nations. And one of those big challenges is the work of winning souls and making disciples, continuing from one generation to the next. Well, we've got a special guest in the studio, Callum Thomas, who is a disciple multiplier. He works with Operation Mobilisation on Teen Street and is a national representative for Cape and Ray Australia, part of the international organisation called Torchbearers, and he's also a youth pastor on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. Uh, we've been talking through all sorts of things here, Callum, and uh, listeners can contribute to our conversation. And I think this issue of uh, of leaders in local churches uh, those are important people, but also parents at the coalface when they're raising their own children. Let me just ask you for a moment. Sometimes when parents send their kids along to a youth group, uh, they're almost treating that uh, like a childminding centre. Now, I want to ask you here uh, for uh, some insights here. You know, don't hold back here. Uh, what ought parents be thinking when they're sending their child along to a youth group or a youth camp? How, sh- how should they really be thinking about that? That's a great point. <laughs> Don't hold back. I love that. When I'm working as a youth pastor, so many parents drop their kids off and they treat it like a child mining as a, uh, as a, as a, you teach them. I don't have the time. I, I'm, I'm done with this. You, you teach them the Bible and, 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 and you, you, you tell them to be good people because I can't do it or I'm busy or whatever. And there is a disjointment. There is a distance. Um, we had a great, uh, in, um, uh, call in from Wayne earlier who made the great point. I want to honor him, uh, as he's, he sees a responsibility he has in his household, and I want to honour that because he is the most one of the uh, the most influential people in his children's lives. And uh, and 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 though uh, we have great pastors, we have great church leaders, whatever church part uh, network you're part of, you have amazing people who have sacrificed so much to be there. But it, we should not abdicate the responsibility as parents um, to to pass on that gospel. Christ baton to our children. This idea of role modeling as a parent, because sometimes we think about the youth leader who has to be the role model, but really I think what I can hear you saying is that actually parents have the primary role modeling to happen here. So if parents are not regular attenders at church, if parents are not involved in some sort of way of, you know, uh, personal development, uh, understanding the things of God, maybe they're going along to a Bible study, maybe they have these sorts of devotions in their home, the parents not role modeling that, then kids are actually going to see through that fairly quick too. And they'll be thinking, oh, you're sending me off to youth group because it's like a child minding opportunity. What are your thoughts for parents and role models? Yeah, absolutely. We have this idea, and, and you're absolutely right. Teenagers can see right through it. 
the they're a generation that are bombarded with advertising and they can smell a rat and and there are there are a lot of people who who talk the talk but don't walk the walk um but we want leaders um both in church in youth ministry in 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 church leadership but also in the household who embrace and model um, this Christian life or these Christian values, this gospel transformation that we talk so much about, um, there is that, that, that embracing and modeling it. Uh, I was, I was thinking about this a little while ago, but we need leaders who believe in teenagers. We need parents who believe in their children. We need leaders who will equip and model them, um, uh, and, and equip and model for them, um, the, the gospel in this lifestyle. Um, and we need leaders and parents who will back them and who'll do the hard yards to allow the teenagers and our young people to have a go and to, to try things out. Um, at, at the youth group, we want young people to, we want them to speak. We want them to lead. We want them to have opportunities to to take the plunge. Um, and uh, and sometimes that mean, means more paperwork and more work at my end. But that's what it's that's what it means to be a leader. Let's talk about the balance between fun and the serious work of discipleship. And perhaps there's a crossover area in between. Uh, but when parents are looking at the youth group in their local church and they're thinking all they're doing is fun activities. Uh, and maybe the youth leader is doing just the fun activities and maybe needs to have a more rich focus on discipleship. How do you get a right balance in all of that, Callum? Oh, Callum's a piece of string. I, but I love that point. We, we think that, um, hype or fun is what youth ministry is all about. And now there is an element of that, but the truth is we don't have the money or the resources to compete with the world. The world has endless resources to steal and attract their, our young people's attention. Now, we can't compete at that level, but what we can do is we can, we have a message that one is true and is transformational. Um, I guess the, the quick answer to that is what's more fun than seeing somebody come to Christ? What's more fun than seeing a life transformed? Now, games are fun. Uh, water balloon games are hectic and, and great and it's exciting. Um, but if there's no DNA transfer, then, then we're just entertaining people, um, uh, during, throughout their life. Uh, what's your encouragement then to people who are a part of local churches? And undoubtedly, there'll be people listening to our conversation today. Uh, they're part of the eldership or the leadership or there's youth ministries listening in and they're thinking, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get this a little bit deeper. I'm trying to get these kids who seem to be a bit of a rabble uh, when we got them all together on Friday night and we're trying to actually become more discipleship oriented, but there's there's struggles in actually getting that to happen. What are your thoughts for people who are just trying to deepen things, but you know they've got their own battle on their hands? Yeah, it, it, the the struggle is real. Um, we we know where we want to be, and sometimes it it can it can feel like we don't know how to get there, or what are the steps to go uh, that that we have to take to get to that place. Um, and I just want to encourage you. That's not a location. It's, the destination is not way off in the distance. Um, you have a great opportunity right here and right now to invest. Um, start small, start intentional, um, and don't compete. Don't co- competition is not our game. We're not trying to be the funnest. We're not trying to be the most um, exciting group in town. That's not what we're about. But we want to take people deep. So start small, start intentional, start with your core team. Um, whoever you have on your leadership team, invest into them. I love how Jesus modeled his discipleship, uh, his strategy. He, he had a, he had a core team, uh, Peter, James, and John, and he he took them away and 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 ministered to them 
on a deeper level. That didn't mean that he didn't care about the other disciples or for the crowds. That's not what we're saying. But he knew this needs to be scalable so that if he, uh, so that when he um, was he, was to be crucified um, that and, and to be resurrected and to impart his life, these people know what it looks like. So invest into your into your core team and make sure that they are investing into others. This is this multiplication idea. If it's not multiplying, I heard this recently. It took my it took me off guard. If it's not multiplying, it's not what Jesus started. Okay, we're taking calls. One eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's hear from Robin in Mount Morgan in Queensland. Hi, Robin. Welcome. Yes. Hi. Um. Absolutely excellent points you're giving. Sorry. What's your name? Um. Uh, Callum is our guest today. Callum. Yes. Um. First of all, one-on-one discipleship absolutely necessary. And you mentioned um, it's not osmosis because that's what you see a lot in the churches. Unfortunately, when when there's a lot of new uh, converts, we're to make disciples, not just converts. When people, you know, say the sinner's prayer, blah, 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 they're often left to supposedly draw in whatever or else they're given a a lot of um, moral laws that they've got to keep. And that's not it. That's not going to help them get out of what they're into, it takes relationship, relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But, you know, it'll have to be somebody that knows the Lord very closely, that loves them and can draw them and introduce them to the Lord. Just as you said, as Jesus took away his disciples, it's intimate. They've got to because there's so much garbage out there in the world. These young people are swimming in it. They do know the truth when they hear it, and they know love when they see it. Uh, Robin, you're making a tremendous point there. This idea of the intimacy of the love that needs to be projected from the leader to those who are in the youth group, and if there's if there's not this you know passionate desire, this love for young people, then you're probably not going to succeed. What are your thoughts, Callum, and for for Robin and the things she's sharing? Yeah, Robin, thank you so much. That's you're absolutely right. I'm so I, I everything you're saying, I'm connecting with. Every teenager, when they have a conversation with you as a leader or in, as a Christian, uh, but particularly in youth ministry, they're asking three, three questions. Do you love Jesus? Do you love me? And are you for real? And depending on the answer that they draw from those three questions, whether they know that they're asking those three questions or not, they're getting those answers. Do you love Jesus? Do you love me? And are you for real? And if they can say yes to that, there will be a relationship and there will be intentionality and a connection. And I imagine if they say no to one of those elements, they may not be back next week. They so, won't be back next week because somebody else will offer a better product. <laughs> that's it. Okay. Robin, thank you so much for your call. At 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join in our conversation. Let me ask you, Callum, about Teen Street. What's unique about Teen Street? Uh, what happens different to what some youth ministries might be doing, to what some youth camps might have? Uh, what's so special about Teen Street? Teen Street is amazing. I, on my personal journey with Teen Street, I was living in New South Wales at the Bible school there on campus, uh, and uh, the Lord changed things. He shook things up, and he drew us to Queensland. We're enjoying it. We're enjoying the weather, by the way. Thank you yep. for having me. Um, and uh, and when we did that, we a big part of that was to be closer to Teen Street. Not, not a lot of people move state to be closer to a youth camp, but that was definitely the case for us because my wife and I, we saw something unique and special at Teen Street that I haven't seen in a long, long time. I saw a, a unashamedly, uh, uh, a, an unashamed approach to Christ. This is about Jesus. This is about him, and it's about the gospel. Let's just do that. 
We'll, we'll have the fun. We'll have the hype. But if we miss the gospel, then, then what are we doing? And so I saw something special at Teen Street. And what I did before I moved up is I brought my leaders along to Teen Street. One, so that they could minister to the young people and be part of that journey, but more so so that they could see what youth ministry can and should look like. Okay. In Teen Street, you have how many camps a year? And uh, I know you've got some short-term Bible college uh, opportunities for people as well, and it's non-denominational. But how many camps would you have a year in Teen Street? Teen Street is a, is a, is a one-time show. We have a, a one-week-long uh, camp in July, so it's coming up. Registrations are closing in a week, so it's a really good time to check it out if you haven't heard of Teen Street or if you are thinking about it. Teen Street is a week-long discipleship camp for teenagers. Um, we're expecting between seven and 800 people to come along. Um, it's growing every year. It's really exciting. There's great momentum. But like I said, it's all about Jesus. There is a uh, the teaching component, which is very Christ-centered, very gospel-centered. There is the discipleship component, which happens from stage, but more so shoulder-to-shoulder, one-on-one uh, with, with our coaches, with our leaders. And there is a big missions DNA. Being part of a being an OM uh, ministry, there is a big focus on what does this mean for our world. This is great for us, but the but the gospel flows out of our hearts into our immediate environment. And so, what does this mean for our world? And I think while we be today championing what's happening with youth groups and youth camps all over Australia, and a lot of people who are a part of a local church will know that there are some youth camps happening, those to be encouraged and supported wherever you can. But if you're part of a church where there's there's just not a lot happening and there's a few youth that sort of hang around at church and, and you sort of see them going nowhere, this is an opportunity for a non-denominational uh, so, in other words, uh, you can come from all sorts of denominations and you'll be exposed to real discipleship in this camp atmosphere. Mm. You mentioned it's coming up in July and there'll be a uh, website, teenstreet.org.au, uh, for those who are looking for details about that. But Torchbearers, uh, Cape and Ray, you also run some short-term Bible schools too, and this is in your New South Wales campus. Give us a little insight into what you do with those. Yeah, so at Cape and Ray, um, it's a chance to get away uh, after high school. So it's 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 post that youth group age group, and there's a really unique and, and important transition that needs to be made there from the 18 year old to the 20 year old. And there's I know there's a couple of years in there, um, but Cape and Ray uh, is international, uh, is interdenominational, uh, and but is is purely about about Christ and the and the and the message of the risen. Lord Jesus reproducing his life in and through the believer. So uh, at, at Cape and Ray, there are 25 centers around the world uh, in castles and on beaches and in the mountains. They're all beautiful locations, so don't worry about that. But the but each of them have this core, uh, the core uh, message of the gospel. So it's a chance to get away from the world, uh, get away from you know, maybe your friend groups if they're a negative influence for, possibly, to travel a little bit to spend some time with other like-minded young adults who love Jesus and to get some great teaching for six months or a, a whole year. Okay, let's take one more call. Wendy from Casino in New South Wales. Hi, Wendy. Yes, hello. Hi, Wendy. What are your thoughts for our conversation? I've got a couple of comments. I've got a comment and a question, actually. I'm actually a school chaplain in Casino and... I deal with a lot of the children today that are not 
functional at all. And as a chaplain, um, I'm not allowed to talk about God unless they ask. Did you know that? Well, I know that's hard to believe, but I know that there are some challenges and they're deepening in some states even as we speak. Yes, but it's just astonishing. We've got this amazing magic silver bullet, if you like, and um, we're all sitting here not being able to use it. And one of my prayers is that we will be able to um, be able to talk about God to the children because they're the ones that so desperately need it. I mean, I can tell them how to be kind and I can tell them how to be functional and all these things, but as you say, without the fruit of the Spirit, it's, it's virtually impossible and they cannot change. And Wendy, I imagine that as a chaplain, you might have con- uh, connection with the local churches in your community and some of those will have youth groups and you'll have an opportunity to be a bridge between the chaplaincy role that you have and get kids into those youth groups and youth camps and things that are coming up. Do you promote those in your community? Well, unfortunately, we can't say anything about anything about God or any, anything about the churches. It's just one of those things that there's a blackout on. Um, but this is actually not the main reason I'm talking. The main reason I'm calling is to say that I've got a passion. I'm, I'm 68 now and obviously getting ready to retire. Um, but I've got a great passion once I finish up to, um, to write some material for use that would be a cross between the gospel and resilience training. At the moment, I can teach resilience training at my school. They, they're happy to have that. Well, that makes virtually no difference. You know, because they don't have the God factor. But what I'd like to do is write some material, and I'm an ex-writer and a journal as well, so I've got that in my background, that would help young people um, cross the barrier, not only learning resilience, which the community is happy for them to learn, but also having the God factor in it as well, which at the moment I can't put in the school section. And what I was wondering is, are there any materials around like this at the moment that have already been written, or are there any other people with a similar passion? Okay, well, a response from Callum. Uh, Is there something that you guys use that is particularly good materials uh, that Wendy can uh, can connect with? Yeah, absolutely. What I'm going to recommend right off the bat, um, so there's an organization based out of the States um, but is now growing globally uh, called Dare to Share, D-A-R-E, the number two, Share, S-H-A-R-E, and I really recommend their resources. They're very committed to youth ministry and uh, youth evangelism, particularly in discipleship and this idea of disciple multiplication. Um, and depending on the freedom and the uh, availability that you have in that school um, will depend on how much of that you're able to use. But I would definitely uh, tune in and, and, and check out their resources. They've got a great book called Gospelize that I'm going to recommend. Okay, I've got to say farewell to Wendy, but Wendy, thank you so much for great input and for asking that question. I hope there's some something useful there, and I'll give those websites too where you can be in touch with Callum. Uh, we've been talking through this whole issue this hour, talking about the challenge of winning a new generation to Christ and what happens if we miss passing on that baton. Let me give those couple of websites where you can be in touch with Teen Street. So teenstreet.org.au. And we were talking about that discipleship camp, uh, July 7th to the 12th, and that's in Gatton in Queensland. So for those who are within Cooey of where Gatton is, that might be useful. I know that you're looking to uh, some opportunities into the future, perhaps uh, some Teen Street camps in other states, and uh, we'll have to wait and uh, see some of those as they emerge. We also mentioned those short-term Bible schools that are going on with Cape and Ray Torchbearers Australia, a 12-week course, a 17-week 
course, those happen in southern New South Wales. That's right. Uh, so wonderful opportunity to be involved. Teenstreet.org.au, org. That's C-A-P-E-R-N-W-R-A-Y, Australia.org. And our special guest this hour has been Callum Thomas. Uh, Callum, just appreciate you. Thanks so much for taking some time to share these things with our listeners. Thank you, Neil. It's been great. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.